Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? Maybe you're like me and you're just so excited that today is student takeover. It's so amazing to see how God is moving in the lives of these students. And it's been an honor for me and Elizabeth to be serving alongside uh, this group of students and just seeing their heart for worship and their heart for serving. It's just, it's been mind blowing over the past year, seeing what God is doing in, these, in their lives of these students. And I know that a lot of you here are excited to just see this, but I also know that there's a lot of you here today that are excited for a completely different reason. Something is different this week. What is it? Football is back. Football is back. And for a lot of us, that means everything is right with the world once again. It just seems a little bit brighter here today for some of us in this room, for some of us watching at home. Now, I will have to admit, I do like football now, but I did not always like football. In fact, growing up, we didn't really have football playing in the house. I wasn't really exposed to it, and it wasn't until after I got married that I had a favorite team, and I started to watch football every single week. So I didn't really know much about the sport at all, other than the fact that my older brother played football when he was in high school. Now, my parents had this crazy idea that for me and my brother and my two sisters, we needed to be more well-rounded. We needed to try all sorts of different things, whether it's music or sports. They just wanted us to get out of the house. They wanted us to do activities. Now, I thought that I did enough, right? I played music. I did soccer, I did swimming, I did wrestling, I tried baseball and I failed miserably at that. So I thought that I was a really well-rounded individual. But for some reason, my mom had it in her head that I needed to, I just had to try to play football. Look at me guys, I am not a big person. And when I was 14 years old, I really was not a big person. I had no business playing football and I had no idea how to play football. I remember when we had signups for football and we were, I was there with about 30 other guys and we had this like sheet of paper, had all these questions. And one of the questions is what position do you want to play? Now this is not a multiple choice. This is a fill in the blank. And remember, I didn't watch football. I, I had no idea what positions there were. I didn't know anything about football. And so I started panicking in my head and I started thinking, oh goodness, what do I do? How do I get out of this? Maybe it's, can I fake sick? Can I pass out? God, please get me out of this or give me something to work with. Give me, give me something. And then all of a sudden it popped in my head, my brother. He plays football. What position does he play? Oh, it came to me. And so I wrote down nose guard. <laughs> and for those of you that have no idea what that means, it's okay. It is okay. All you really need to know is I had no business playing in that 
position. Remember, my brother, he was a lot bigger. He actually had success in this position. He was good at it. I was not. So when I say I was the worst player on the team, I'm not joking. In fact, I brought a picture to prove it, okay? Now, if, if you look at the picture, you'll notice a couple things. I'm the one in the middle. First thing is you'll notice I am substantially smaller than the guy next to me. Everybody on the team was like this size. The second thing you're gonna notice is I'm trying to give a mean, intimidating face and I'm failing at this. And then there's a third thing, and this is my favorite thing. If you notice, something about my jersey is just a little off. You see, the jerseys are supposed to have this V-neck form. I had put my jersey on backwards. And it wasn't until years later I was looking at this picture in my parents' living room, and I'm like, oh, no. And that means my whole team let me just go about my business looking like a fool. Guys, when I'm telling you that I was bad at football and I had no business playing football, this is what I am talking about. And I remember being on the sideline during games. I was a horrible teammate, okay? And I can remember, like, I would try to get as far away from the coach as possible. Like, don't let him see me. I do not need to go in. And I can remember hearing my name called. We're strunk. We're strunk at. And I would, no lie, just do the Homer Simpson, like, back up behind people. And I would hide behind the biggest guys to avoid going into the game. I was a horrible teammate. But not just because I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing but I thought that I didn't matter. I didn't think that I could add anything to this team. I didn't think that I could add anything to the sport. And once I had convinced myself, once I believed in my own mind that I mattered very little to the sport of football, and I mattered very little to this particular team, and in the grand scheme of the sport, I just checked out. I didn't try to study football. I didn't try to learn more about it. I didn't try to get better every single day. I checked out. I mean, I thought, what's the point? I was too small. I wasn't going to accomplish anything amazing playing this sport. I wasn't gonna receive some sort of award or recognition for playing. And what's worse is I actually started to look down on other teammates. It's amazing. I was looking down on other teammates because there were other, other people on the team that were bad too. They weren't as bad as I was, but, but you could tell they were not great at playing football. And I would look down on them because these guys, they were trying so hard. They were putting in so much effort. They were trying to get better. They were studying trying to make themselves a better football player. And I was just looking down on them like, what are you doing? Why are you trying? What's the point? You're not going to be a starter on the team. You might as well just give up and just coast along like I'm doing. But we do this a lot, don't we? People, we, we, we do this kind of thing all the time where we find something to be insignificant 
and we just kind of write it off. You know, if we think we don't matter to something or that we don't contribute much, we just step aside or we fall into the background or we write it off and say, forget it, I don't care. And for a lot of us, we don't want to concern ourselves with something that we see as a small role or something that is very insignificant. And we may eventually even start to look down on those who we see as not really contributing much, kind of like I did with the other teammates on my football team. Now, Paul ran into a similar situation with the church in Corinth. They were having an issue. And if you have your Bible, Sandy, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin reading out of verse 12. Now, 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and Paul was really deeply connected with this church because he established this church. And after a while, Paul starts to get disturbing reports about what's going on at this church in Corinth. He's hearing things. He's hearing things like the people are dividing. There are factions that are uh, developing within this community of believers. And these people, they were divided about who to follow or who was more important, who was really great. And these people, they were convinced that they were great because of who they were following and also what they perceived that they could do and what value they added to the kingdom of God. They just wanted recognition for how great they were. And as a result, this church is divided and they look down on others for who they followed. And they look down on others for what they could or could not add to the kingdom of God. But take a look at what Paul says to these believers at the church in Corinth. It says this in verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. 
And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You see, the church in Corinth had started to stray away from what Paul had initially taught them. The people in the church of Corinth began to care more about how they looked, how they were perceived to others than what they were actually adding to the kingdom of God. They were saying things like, well, we follow Paul. This guy started our church. Clearly, he is the most important individual and we should all be following him. If you're following Peter, what good is he? Where is that going to get you? What are you going to add to the kingdom? You're not as good as us. What can you do? But Paul is reminding this church that we should be united and that we all have a function. Everyone has something that they can contribute and nothing is too small in the eyes of God. Now, no matter who you listen to, no matter what pastor you follow, no matter what you perceive about yourself, I want you to understand this because this is vitally important. And it's this, that no matter where you are, God can use you. No matter where you are, God can use you. But if we're being really honest with ourselves, we have all struggled with this concept and this idea about ourselves at one point or another. And we begin to ask ourselves these questions. Can we actually contribute anything to the kingdom? Can we? Does what we do really matter in the grand scheme of everything? Are we actually needed? And for some of us, our struggle is our age, too young, too old. For others, it's their time. I just don't have time. Can't add anything else. Or maybe it's your ability. You just don't think you can do something. But the truth is that no matter where you are, no matter what you perceive about yourself, God can use you. And here's why this is important for us today. Here's why you need to understand this, because if we miss this, then we may miss out on God's call on our lives. If we miss this, we may miss out on God's call on our lives, see, the, the church in Corinth had missed the point. They had become focused on becoming great in their own minds, and they missed out on what God was truly calling each of them to do, and that was to unite together, to come as one, and to spread the gospel of Jesus to other people. And for many of us, we miss out on what God is calling us to do because we get in our own heads and we convince ourselves that we're just not good enough and that things, certain things, they just don't matter or they're insignificant or why should I bother with this? I've had people step away from the worship team or decline on a Sunday because they didn't get a solo to sing. Because they viewed singing harmonies or backing vocals as being insignificant or beneath them. 
and they miss the point of worship and what it is that we're doing. And they made it all about themselves. Now, I don't want you to read into this. This is not something that has happened recently. Nobody on this stage that you saw today has acted in this way, but it has happened. They viewed this as something that was beneath them. And for some of us, we miss out on God's call in our lives because of excuses. We say things like, I'm too young. No one's going to listen to me. Nobody takes young people seriously. Why even try? Or on the other side of the coin, we say things like, well, I'm just too old. My season has passed. Nobody thinks I'm relevant anymore. I really don't have anything new that I can add. So why bother? Or maybe you say things like, I just don't have time. You really, you don't understand my schedule. I have nothing else that I can add. You don't get it. Or maybe you have convinced yourself that you don't really add value, that you really just can't add anything new to what needs to be done. How do we overcome these thoughts and these feelings that are just going on in our heads that prevent us from following God's call for our lives? How do we do this? Guys, we have to believe that God can outwork our circumstance. We have to believe that God can outwork whatever situation, whatever excuse, whatever negative feeling, thought, or emotion that is going on in your head. God can outwork those problems and those issues. When I had first started working at a church, it was my first job. It was in Nashville. I, I started off as a ministry intern. There was only one other full-time staff member. That was my father-in-law. He was the senior pastor. And after a couple years of being an intern and being part-time, I was given the opportunity to come on staff full-time. Now, I kind of want to give you a little backdrop here. At Thrive Church, we have a leadership team, and they make amazing decisions, and they care so much about this church. They're doing a fantastic job. At the church that I was at in Nashville, we had an elder board. And so they made all the decisions for the church. Now, most of the elders were very much on board with me coming on staff full-time. They knew me personally. They, they saw me graduate college. They saw the credentials that I had. I had preached on Sundays. I had led worship. I had been leading youth. They saw my devotion. So they were excited. They were excited to see me come on staff full-time. But there was one elder that was not happy. He did not want this to happen. And he made sure to tell everybody that would listen that he did not want this to happen. And people would ask you, what, what's your problem? Why do you, why do you have such an issue with Andrew coming on full time? And this is all he would say. I just have a check in my heart about him. Okay. And I can remember vividly, I actually had a sit down meeting with, with this guy. It was in the lobby of our church. It was in the middle of the week. Nobody was there. It was dead silent. We sat across from each other. And it felt like a job interview. What's your experience? He already knew my experience. He'd known me for years. 
When he asked questions like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And so I answered all these questions and I thought that I had done an amazing job and I was convinced in my head that by the time we got done with this meeting, he was gonna walk away and I was gonna have his full support and everything was gonna be great. But I'll never forget, he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, I just think you're too young. I really just don't think you have enough experience. And quite honestly, I don't believe that you're called to be in ministry. I mean, that was a huge punch to my gut. And I remember I left there and I had all of these thoughts running through my head. And I got to the point where I started to believe the things that he was saying about me. Maybe, maybe people shouldn't take me seriously. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not spiritual enough. Maybe I am just too young to do this. You know, Jeremiah in the Bible, he had a similar concern about himself. If you look in Jeremiah chapter one, starting with verse four, he says this, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. A little side note here, that, that, that was me. That was me saying that to God too. God, I'm too young for this, I guess. You know, maybe in like 30 years when I start getting more gray hairs on my head, maybe then, maybe then people will listen to me and maybe then you can use me and I can go into ministry. But check this out. This is what God says to Jeremiah. Verse seven, the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. In a world where we have convinced ourselves and we have convinced others that they can't do it, that we don't matter. I just want you to know that God can. When we can't, God can. God can use the young to tear down an empire. God can use the elderly to raise up a brand new generation of believers on fire for Jesus. And God can take faith the size of a mustard seed and move a mountain and check this out. God can outwork your circumstances. God can when we can't. But believing this is easier said than done, isn't it? How do we overcome these obstacles that are in our head, in our mind, telling us that we just can't, that maybe we don't add enough to the kingdom, that we don't have a purpose, or that we're too young or we're too old to add value anymore? How do we overcome these thoughts that prevent us from believing that God can use anyone, even us? And it's this, we have to connect 
to the body of Christ. We have to connect to the body of Christ. Connecting to the church body is the best way to overcome these thoughts and these feelings that we have put into our heads, leaning on fellow believers for encouragement and for love and support. I'm telling you, is the way to go to overcome these obstacles that we have put in our own heads. When I moved to Nashville to go to college, I gotta be honest with you, I had no desire to go into ministry at all. No desire. And I can remember when my parents dropped me off in this brand new city and I didn't know anybody and they, and they left. I can remember vividly sitting in my dorm room. I had not met my roommate yet. He had not shown up. And so I was all alone. I was looking out this window seeing all these people that seemed to just know each other already and they were already having a great time and I just felt so alone and I felt so scared and I just like, I sat there and I cried because I just, I had never felt so alone. But I told myself that I wasn't gonna let this take over me. And the first thing I was gonna do is make sure I got connected to a church. So that first Sunday I went and I visited one church. The entire time that I lived in Nashville for 11 years, I went to one church. And it was at that church that I met Elizabeth, my future wife. I met my future family. I met other believers that made lasting impressions, that were lasting friendships. And it was at this church that I started to feel the call that God was placing on my life. And it was at this church where I had a body of believers standing behind me, encouraging me, praying for me to pursue what God was calling me to do. Connecting to a church body helped me to push out all of the thoughts that I had about myself and to start leaning on what God was saying about me and to start leaning on what God was calling me to do. If you aren't connected to a church, can I just encourage you today? Join a small group. Join a small group. Join a group of like-minded individuals who can celebrate victories with you, who can pray for you when you're going through the trials of life. A group of people who will push you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. When Elizabeth and I first came to Thrive Church, first thing we did was join a small group and we still have lasting friendships with these people. And these were a group of people that celebrated with us. They cried with us when we went through trials and they prayed for us and they pushed us and encouraged us to dive deeper, to go deeper into our relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've already joined a small group. Let me encourage you here today to join a serve team then. You may be thinking in your head, I can't do that. And you might have a million excuses as to why. In this past month, we've been showing video after video after video of members of our church who are part of a serve team. And they had such awesome testimonies because these were individuals that joined teams that they had no desire in joining when they first came to Thrive. And they didn't think that they could do a good job and they didn't know how they could add value to, to these certain teams. 
And what they saw was amazing. They saw God use them in a way that they never could have imagined. And lives were being changed as a result. If you are here today and you think that you're too young, and you think that you're too old, and you're not relevant, and no one's going to listen, can I just tell you, you're wrong. God believes more of you. God can use you regardless of what you think or believe about yourself. And I want you to know this and to realize this for today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on in your head, God can outwork your circumstances. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this truth. That no matter what we're going through in this life, no matter what situation we have going on, that you can outwork it. There is nothing too big for you. We thank you, God, for the truth that you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. That you love us. God, we thank you so much for all that you have done and all that you're going to continue to do in our lives and the lives of those around us. Help us to be a light that shines your name so that people would come into a relationship with you. And as we continue in this mode of prayer, if you are here today and you have not made the decision to follow Jesus, all you have to do is say this prayer. Father, I know that I have sinned. I know that I fall short of your glory. But I believe and I know that you love me. I believe and I know that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins and that he rose from the grave and it was through this act that we have been made right with you, God. Today, here and now, I choose you. I choose to follow you. God, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we pray all of this in your name.